Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've tuned in. If God can control nations and history, how much more does he have your life in his hands? Throughout history, nations have declared themselves a mighty power, implying that they control their own destiny. Truth is, God is the one who determines the rise and fall of empires and his purposes are always redemptive, whether we can see that or not. The cup of the wine of God's wrath was given to the nations of God's choosing. Hard to swallow? Join Dr. Corbett now for another message from Jeremiah, curiously titled, Drink, Be Drunk, Vomit. We're in Jeremiah 25. We're going to be starting from verse 15 in just a moment but let's pray holy spirit you are the author of this book this is your book we are privileged to have the author in residence holy spirit you wrote this you used men as the hands as as the pen men to write this but this is your book and now lord we come to you and and we we ask that you will help us to understand what you have written for us help us to get it help us to apply it help us to live it help us to see the things in here that you put there and help us to be able to share what we know to be true from your word in jesus name i pray amen this section that we're going to look at now is is taken uh, from a verse in this passage and it's drink be drunk vomit you know, if you you know, imagine if we were one of those churches that had the billboard out the front, you know, this Sunday, drink, be drunk, vomit. I don't know if we would draw a crowd or repulse a crowd. You know, imagine 595 BC and Jeremiah's preaching in church, you know, and out the front of the, the temple, it's this Sunday, Jeremiah, drink, be drunk and vomit. Come, hear the prophet. We'll stone him before you do. Um, you know, it's like th- this would be interesting to see how his original audience responded, because I think I've got a bit of a job with a modern audience dealing with this. But here it is. It's in the text. So we're going to have a look at this. And I, I just think we need to acknowledge that when we read the Bible, there are some difficult parts to the Bible. There are. There's some difficult parts, especially if you, you're not trained to understand language. If you're, not under, if you're not trained to understand language and you take everything in a wooden, literal sense, then you are going to come up with some really weird understandings from the Bible. You know, our God is a rock. Really? How often, Jerusalem, I've wanted to gather you under my wings and shield you. Jesus said that. What's that about? And so we have to understand language in Scripture. So how do we best understand Scripture? And this is one of the things, by reading passages like this, where probably in your daily reading, to be, you know, concession here, you read this, you're probably going to go, look, I, I got no idea what this is on about. I got no idea. In fact, for the last 20 chapters, I got no idea what Jeremiah's on about. So I hope that we're helping you to appreciate what he's on about. But I just want you to know, if that's, if that's your experience, that's probably a normal experience. 
But here's what I want you to begin to see from passages like this that you might think, now why would God put that in the Bible? Why would God put that in the Bible? This has got to be the weirdest thing. Drink, be drunk and vomit. Like, what is that there for? Why did God need to say that? And here's the reason why. Because Scripture interprets Scripture, or Scripture helps us to understand Scripture. Because what we're going to read in this passage from verse uh, verse 15 down to verse 31 is a whole bunch of little statements that if, if, if you were marooned on a desert island and all you had was Jeremiah 25 verses 15 to 31 for your entire spiritual nourishment, you're going to struggle. I've looked at this and I've gone into this and then I've realised, having read the Bible for 35 years, every, basically every year, and gone, what? Exactly what I'm saying here. What? Why is this in Scripture? I don't get this. And then, then you realise and you do a bit of cross-referencing and you check, wait a minute, the book of Revelation refers to this expression seven times that's found in this section of Jeremiah, this section of Jeremiah. Man, I've missed something really big here. I've missed it. So I want to help you to get this. So as we read this, we read it on the other side of the cross. We read it knowing God is a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. No scripture is wasted. All scripture is equally inspired by God. All scripture. There's a bunch of people that say, well, look, some of this is just man's ideas. You know, some of this is just man's ideas. And so, quite frankly, some of these blokes had ideas that are just downright not helpful. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to pick and choose those bits that I feel are from God. That's called liberalism. I'm going to free up scripture, liberal, liberate scripture. I'm going to make it kind of you know i'm going to take it and it's going to speak to me and that's it that's not what scripture says about itself second timothy 3 16 says all scripture is breathed by god breath it means inspired all scripture is inspired by god there's not a wasted word there's not a wasted thought Not a wasted chapter, not a wasted book. It's all from God. That's what scripture itself says about itself. Pretty amazing. So all scripture is inspired by God. So let's start this section. We're in verse 15 of Jeremiah 25. Holy Spirit, please have your way. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger. Now, before, actually, before I move on, I just want to point out, here's something that I missed. And I'm just going to take a guess. You may not have missed, but if you, if you did miss it like I missed it, let me point this out to you. Take the cup. Interesting how significant cups are in Scripture. Cups in Scripture 
often have rich symbolism. We celebrated communion. And, and when we celebrate communion, we, we are commemorating that Jesus took the cup. And that cup that the, the, the Jews had, the Hebrews had, was, was a designated cup for the Messiah. Messiah was to drink of the cup of the Lord. Cup. Cup in Scripture speaks of the dealings of God. It's then a matter of what is God putting into that cup. Cups aren't always full of suffering. Psalm 23, my cup, uh, the Lord prepares a table before me. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters, leads me beside, you know, uh, green pastures. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Picture of God's goodness being poured in even though the person writing a psalm is in the valley of the shadow of death. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket around them and they are saying, God, you're a good shepherd. In my cup, you're pouring blessing. Cups. So wine can speak of blessing. Wine can speak of good things or bad things. We need to understand that. And then when you read the book of Revelation, you're going to read this expression, the cup of the wine of God's wrath. That's taken from Jeremiah 25 and verse 15. And the book of Revelation uses that expression, from my estimation, between six and seven times, depending on your translation. That verse. Wow. Man, I missed that one. And I've read Revelation a few times and I missed that. So now we're in verse 16. They shall drink and stagger... And be crazed because of the sword that I'm sending among them. So this is the God of Israel saying he's going to give Israel a cup from which to drink. And as they drink from this cup, they're going to stagger, go crazy, because there's going to be so much violence perpetrated among them. This does not sound like a good cup. We've already seen in the first half of this section that God actually took a whole bunch of people that were faithful to him. He took them out of this picture. We read in Psalm 79 that one of those people that went out with Daniel and Ezekiel, his name was Asaph. And Asaph writes Psalm 79. He's a singer. He's a poet. He can't help but write poetry. He turns grief into words that are beautiful. And in Psalm 79 and Psalm 80, which Asaph wrote, he's, he's coming out of Jerusalem at this time, being exiled before, he's in the first part of 25, and, and he's going, I don't get this. I'm a worshipper. God, I, I, why am I being exiled? Why am I being kicked out of the land? I, I've been faithful to you. I, I haven't stopped worshipping you. I, I encourage people to worship you. And yet I'm being taken out. God, this isn't fair. You're sending in the Babylonians. And they're going to destroy our city. How do you know that? You heard Jeremiah say. And they're going to do this horrible stuff to our city. God, this is not fair. It's not fair. And you read the end of Psalm 79. Asaph says, God, right now, I really don't get what you're doing. But I know this. 
I will always praise you. Oh, I know what cup he's drinking from. He's drinking from the Psalm 23 cup, the cup that says everything I've got is, is God's blessing in my life, even though it doesn't look like it. Here he is. Verse 17, so I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it. Now, this is a little turn because the focus has been on Israel and what was about to happen to them. And Jeremiah's prophesying this. And in 586 BC, it did happen. Jerusalem literally was destroyed. The Babylonians came in and literally there was famine, sword and pestilence. It was horrible. And if you, you, know, you could read that and go, how could a good, loving God do that? Hey, a good, loving God warned them for about 40 years it was going to happen unless they changed something. And they told God, get lost. Don't tell us what to do, which is a pretty dangerous thing to tell the creator of the universe. So we're now going to read this section where from verse 18, it says this, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, its kings, its officials, to make them a desolation and a waste, a hissing and a curse, as at this day. So something's about to happen. But now we get into this interesting section. He goes into a little bit of history. He says, oh, now this cup, I've already given it to the Egyptians. Notice this, Pharaoh, it says, verse 19, king of Egypt, his servants, his officials, all his people, all the mixed tribes among them, all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines. So here's the, the empires, the former empires of the world. God is saying, I've taken them down. Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, the sons of Ammon, all the kings of Tyre, all the kings of Sidon, all the kings of the coastland across the sea. Verse 23, Dedan, Tima, Buzz, and all who cut the corners of their hair. Now you could read that. Again, if you're just reading through the Bible, you go, God's angry about haircuts? Creepy. What is... Jeez, when I go to the barber, I'm going to have to say, give me one of those Amish haircuts because apparently I'm not even allowed to cut the corner of my hair. What is that about? Well, if you have read your Bible and if you're an experienced Bible reader, you won't do that to the text. You'll go, I know what this is about. God commanded that this bit of the hair right here was never to be cut and it was to, for a man, it was to grow long. You see the Jews today, they curl it like this. You have the curls right here, the hair on the temples, the corner of their hair, never to be cut. And people could look at them and go, aha, uh -huh, Jew, aha, uh -huh, Hebrew, ah, uh, Israelite, aha, uh -huh, got it. And because they could look at them and go, they don't cut that bit. This is kind of like a uniform. And people could go, now, if I want to know what a person in a relationship with God looks like, I better watch that person with the funny hair on the side here because they are saying, by me not cutting this hair, I'm honouring you. Now, you might think, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense today. And it, in our culture, it doesn't. But it did then. It did then. And these nations that cut the corner of the hair, they're saying, we don't want a relationship with God. And so that's what that expression is all about. All the kings of, verse 24, Arabia, all the kings of the mixed tribe, tribes who dwell in the desert, verse 25, all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, all the kings of Media, all the kings of the north, far and near, one after another, all the kingdoms of the world that are on the face of the earth, Interesting, again, that's a biblical expression. It means the known world. So if you're thinking, seriously, the Indonesian kingdom? 
had to drink from this cup. The American Aztecs, the, the American Indians, the Eskimos had to drink from this same cup. No, no, it's just the known world for these people. That's Sometimes the whole earth literally just means as far as the eye can see. That's, that's a Bible expression, so don't, don't choke on that. And having gone through all these kingdoms, God's saying, I've, I've raised them up and now I've put them down. Well, I'd be asking the question at this point, but hang on, the world empire now, God, you haven't mentioned the world empire now. And the world empire now was, someone help me out, starts with Babylon, thank you, Babylon. Babylon was the world empire now. Okay, Jeremiah, you reckon you've got courage to speak the word of the Lord. Let's hear you speak against Babylon. And Jeremiah goes, okay. And after them, the end of verse 26, the king of Babylon shall drink. Now, it's one thing to risk your life speaking in the temple to a whole bunch of priests that are really ticked off at you. But now you've just prophetically announced that the then emperor of the world was going to be judged by God. Suddenly, whatever friends you thought you had, you got none now. This is Jeremiah's situation. So here's the point. I just want you, if you're reading this, I just want you to go, wow, God says he made the Egyptians a world empire. He made the Philistines a world empire. He made the kings of Arabia a world empire. He made the Babylonian king a world emperor. What do we get from this? Get the big picture. God is the one who determines the rise and the fall of nations. The psalmist says this in Psalm 75, what is it, verse 11. That it is God who puts one down and raises another up. And note this, the Babylonian Empire, exactly as Jeremiah said, did fall. In fact, it happened in one night. Unheard of. In one night. And we, we, we read of it in Daniel where it happened in one night. Now we read on. Verse 27, then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, drink, be drunk, vomit, fall and rise no more because of the sword that I'm sending among you. There's the title to this message. Wow. Drink it. Just drink it all because you are going to experience my purpose for your life because you have defied me is what is going on here. Verse 28. And if they refuse to accept the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, you must drink. They've got no choice in this. God is Lord. You cannot defy God. You cannot. Verse 29. For behold, I begin to work disaster at at the city that is called by my name. You sh shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, for I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord. You therefore shall prophesy against them all these words and say to them, the Lord will roar from on high, from his holy habitation utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold and shout like those who tread grapes. Verse 31 the clamour will resound to the ends of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He's entering into judgment with all flesh and the wicked shall be put to the sword. And you could think, wow, that sounds like a really heartless, hard, cruel, vindictive God. And it isn't. This is a kind, loving, gracious God. And by God taking this course of action, he was saving the lives of millions and millions and millions of people. It may look like God is doing something bad, but he never does anything bad. 
You ever heard the, you know, people say, how, who does God think he is to take life? And, and people say, then, then interestingly, people say like this, whenever the government wants to, you know, some foreign government kills someone and or someone goes out and blows someone away, they say, who do they think they are? Who do they think they can, you know, act like God? Interesting, the idea of taking life is thought of as being acting like God. What is it intuitively in every human that we should know? That God is the author of life. All life does come from him. All life is his. And, and the reality is, can God do with you whatever he wants? The answer is quite simply yes, because you're his. The fact that God gives you choice and he calls you to be responsible for your choices should cause you to go, what an awesome God. <laughs> what an awesome God that he doesn't treat me like a robot. Awesome. Now notice this. This eventually led to Israel coming back to their land, settling in their land. And just within about three or 400 years of that, a young girl by the name of Mary became pregnant and birthed the saviour of the world. And if this hadn't happened, this passage here hadn't happened, Mary wouldn't have happened. We call that redemptive purposes. Redemptive is when it looks hopeless, it looks bad, it looks negative, and God does something really good and positive out of it. That's called being redemptive. God is a redemptive God. He does this kind of stuff all the time. All the time. So here's my conclusion. Get this. Since God controls the history of the world. Um, uh, interesting, Isaiah 19. In Isaiah 19, Isaiah prophesied the downfall of the then empire, which was Egypt. And interesting that Isaiah says, Behold, the Lord is coming to you, Egypt. Woe unto you, Egypt. Isaiah 19.1. The Lord is coming to you, riding a cloud as a chariot. The Lord is coming on the clouds to you, Egypt. And Egypt was deposed as a world power. Note that expression, God coming on the clouds. Hmm, where do we hear that in the New Testament? It's an expression of God saying, I'm Lord. I'm in control. I put nations down and I raise nations up. So, so here's the point. If God can control nations and history, wow, how awesome would you have to be to do that? Here's the question. How much more does he have your life in his hands? How much more? I mean, think about it. Who do you want having the biggest say in your life apart from yourself? Surely it's somebody who cares about you. And surely it's somebody who's got the power in them to make a, a positive difference in your life. Imagine going, and I, and I can use this medical analogy because I don't think we have a dentist here this morning. We have a full hospital medical board here this morning, but we don't have a dentist, I don't believe. But imagine you go to a dentist and you go to the dentist because they're the most highly qualified dentist and you, you, you care about 
your teeth. And so you go to, in the, as you're waiting in the chair in that sterile environment, you see all the certificates, you know, Harvard Dental School, Kellogg's Dental School, Yale Dental School, and there they all are. And you're there going, oh, phew, that's a relief, man. I'm in safe hands now. I've got somebody who's got incredible power of dentistry. And in they walk, and it was the kid you bullied at school. What do the certificates mean to you now? As they get the drill and they go, you don't remember me, do you? (laughs) Now flip the equation. What if there's no certificates on the wall? And what if it's your best friend who really loves you, really cares for you, and they ain't got a clue what they're doing with dentistry? Which one do you want? The answer is, None, thank you. (laughs) I want someone who really loves me deeply as a person and values me and respects me and really isn't doing it for the money (laughs) and is highly qualified. That's what I want. So here's the question. God, he's highly qualified. He's God. And he loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. And this is where I want to finish. I want you to surrender your life afresh to him. Perhaps you're coming to God with something in your hand and you're not going to give it up. You're not going to come to him with an open hand. Perhaps in your hand is hurt, disappointment, anger, bitterness. Perhaps in your hand is the name of someone. And you're never going to forgive them. I'm inviting you to, and I'm inviting you to come and open your hand to God. Say, God, please take this. I need your grace and your forgiveness. And here's a prayer that I'd like us to pray. This could mark the beginning of your journey, or it could mark a moment in your already continuing journey. The prayer goes like this. God, please forgive me of my sins. Come and live in me and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. Let's continue to pray. Father, I make that the prayer of my life. God, I thank you that you're a forgiving God. You've forgiven me. And Lord, I'm sorry that I don't always forgive because I'm forgiven. Father, today I'm asking for your help. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come and transform my heart and my mind. And Holy Spirit, I invite you now to come and hover and fill and clean and cleanse and renew and make alive and revitalize every person here. Father, help us to be a people who walk after you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's God who determines the rise and fall of empires and his purposes are always redemptive. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Drink, Be Drunk, 
Vomit are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr Corbett is the pastor of Lagana Christian Church and the president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.